Fresh Art International presents conversations about creativity in the 21st century. This is Fresh Art International. My name is Janae King. And I'm Giselle Haro. Our podcast explores contemporary art, film, and design across six continents. We're here to introduce episodes in a micro-series featuring Voices of the Future, the Fresh Art Student Edition. Today's story is among those produced by University of Miami students during the spring 2020 semester. They recorded real-life experiences of Miami art and culture. Their podcast, Miami Moves Me, is like a time capsule. These days, the global coronavirus pandemic and social distancing requirements have made adventures like theirs seem impossible. Miami is a bustling city filled with people from different cultures, including a lot of Caribbeans. Janae and I are both of Caribbean descent and grew up right here in South Florida. Like me, Luz Estrella Cruz is a first-generation American. Luz is studying film at UM. She went to the Third Horizon Film Festival in Miami's Little Haiti Cultural District to record her story about films with Caribbean roots. The episode features her conversation with filmmakers Diana Peralta and Michael Lees. In this episode, I'll introduce Third Horizon, a Miami-based film festival that gives a platform to filmmakers and films that break away from current narratives of the African diaspora in the film industry. First, I would like to introduce Diana Peralta, an up-and-coming filmmaker from New York with family ties to the Dominican Republic. Diana tells a compelling story through her film, Delo Mio. The narrative follows estranged siblings reuniting in their ancestral home, After the death of a loved one, the family and their bond is put to a test by the differences in their cultural upbringings on the island and in the U.S. Peralta zeroes in on the ways that home, loss, and trauma can bring together a fractured family. Sometimes people ask me to shorten it into something that's understandable, so I always say it's a family dramedy or like a family drama slash comedy. It's just like a little... um, peek into the lives of this family and what they're dealing with having been separated through immigration and what it means to grow apart and what it means to come together in moments of crisis. And Dominicans are comedy people. We laugh in the saddest moments in our lives. You'll find us laughing in a funeral, like we're those kinds of people. So that's why I call it a dramedy because there's moments of like levity and joy in the film. But it's just like a kind of quiet movie that just watches what happens to these characters as they reunite in this scenario. I was able to sense the sense of intimacy that you're trying to convey to the audience. So in the story, the two sisters are New Yorkers, Dominican New Yorkers who were born in New York and are going back to the island for the first time in a long time. So when the sisters are together, they speak English naturally to each other because that's just what they talk at home. But when their brother, who was born and raised in Santiago and Dominican Republic and never left, he's Spanish dominant. So when they come together, it's like this weird mix of Spanglish and like yelling in Spanish and then like crying in English really depends on how they're feeling in the moment. So it's actually kind of a combination of both languages and both cultures at the same time. 
I think that really captures the whole diaspora, you know, exactly. like the spread of where people are and how that influences their lives, but still they have to come together and communicate. So I think that's very important. Mm -hmm. And it's my understanding that you did film the whole thing in your own family home. Mm -hmm. And I understand that you were, you know, heavily motivated with the passing of your grandmother to capture these intimate um, scenes. So I wonder what exactly were you trying to preserve in these stories? Like partially selfishly, I wanted to preserve the house on film so I could always re revisit it whenever I wanted to. Knowing that it was going to be sold and demolished pretty quickly, it was kind of purely selfish to just get it on film and be like, okay, I have it. It, it will never die. I've like immortalized the house in some way. Um, but aside from that, it's just, I did want to get across those little moments that me and my sisters went through in that experience. The film is fiction, but it's definitely inspired by what we went through in our close relationship with each other. Mm -hmm and the differences I saw from our relationship to the place versus like my cousins who never left and who stayed behind. So I just really wanted to capture that dynamic in a really organic way. Did hear how your sister was working with you on the set as well as a crew of people that were dedicated to your vision and dedicated to your work. And how did that, having that sense of intimacy already on set when you were filming? It made it a lot easier because I was bringing this crew into a pretty vulnerable family, personal situation. Working with friends is hard. But it's also like, it's great because you can open up more easily and you don't feel the need to distance yourself from the story. Making this film was a part of your grieving process, wasn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, it was like reliving it, uh, which was hard while shooting because I would see these scenes unfold on my monitor and be like, oh my God, I literally said that. Or me and my sister were literally in this moment a few months ago. But I think reliving it through my characters has helped give me a little, a sense of peace and space from it. But you're absolutely right. It was like very therapeutic having that, going through that, and it helped definitely with the grief process as well. It was like a nice closure to everything. As a Miami native, Peralta's De Lo Mio, with this musical mix of Spanish and English, appropriately called Spanglish, is the soundtrack of my everyday life. Let's hop over to the island of Dominica, where Michael Lee shares with Luz how his cultural heritage impacted his film. Michael's exploration into the forests of Dominica in search of a connection to his roots and the paths of sustainable living appears to be quite a spiritual journey. The thing that struck me about his plight was his decision to go alone. Originally, I wanted to do it with a group. One thing and another ended up being like, all right, do I still want to do this project, even if it's me alone? And I just really did. You know, it works out in, in two ways. One, being alone. There's something to doing the spiritual quest alone. And then the other is that considering Hurricane Maria came through, I was very lucky to survive. If there were four or five of us there, I don't know if that would have been the case. So all in all, basically this thing turned out, I think, the like almost the best possible way it could have, essentially. I did not expect the twist that happened. It seemed like you were, you know, on this path of enlightenment. All of a sudden, I see these flashes of, you know, a country I've never heard of before and seeing the wreckage that happened. In a way, it's sort of the most perfect thing for the film, um, as tragic as the hurricane was, because here I am essentially trying to live this back to nature lifestyle. Maria hits, and then all of a sudden, all of Dominica is sent back to that same kind of lifestyle. And because we're, we're considered one of the less developed islands, but because of that, you know, we haven't 
destroyed the natural surroundings. We have a ton of rivers, people farm. So after Maria, we were without power, at least where I was, for without power and running water for like six to nine months, right? And there's like no supermarkets and stuff for the first couple of weeks, no banks or anything. And in a lot of other places, I feel like it would be chaos. And not to say there wasn't some chaos, but still the fact that people can go to the spring and get fresh water, bathe and wash in the river, get farm produce and be able to get by. To me, it's, it's kind of one of these things that, you know, we're backwards in a sense, and yet maybe we're ahead of the curve as well. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, things are always changing and always evolving. Um, but it is something I think about, like, you know, as Dominique and a lot of other developing nations, you know, we're developing what towards and what aspects of our culture do we want to keep and not lose to so-called development. Um, I think in the film, um, it is essentially this closeness to nature, this idea that as like humanity, we're not separate from the rest of the world. It's like one large organism that we are a part of. And I think um, you really see that in Dominique and in the film. Originally, I'm doing this thing alone, but afterwards, it's honestly, it's we got by because everyone was able to take care of each other. Today's episode dives into the significance of storytelling through film for the African diaspora. Caribbean filmmakers such as Peralta and Lees are using their artistry to give voice and light to the stories that defy mainstream cultural understandings of Caribbean life and the lived experiences of African diasporic people. Their films expanded on how islands are distant homes that hold the answers for the diaspora that live within its borders, answers found in ancestry and culture. They capture and value the differences in the Caribbean and its people through languages, settings, and stories. The Third Horizon Film Festival, where I was able to meet these promising filmmakers, gives a platform to little-known stories bursting with content that will pull on your heartstrings. Let's hope these rising young storytellers continue to share their knowledge and truth. This episode reveals how filmmaking can give voice to the African diaspora and what it means to be Caribbean. Historically, Caribbean stories have been shared through word of mouth. For instance, Anansi the Spider is Jamaica's Aesop, whose fables teach morals and values. Luz shares a new way of storytelling that holds its own power to teach us about life and culture. To hear more about the Third Horizon Film Festival and Caribbean storytelling in Miami, visit freshartinternational.com on Fresh Art's special SoundCloud playlist. You can listen to more Miami Moosme stories. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast anywhere you go to listen. The John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, Emily Hall Tremaine Foundation, Locust Projects and the Andy Warhol Foundation for the Visual Arts, and listeners like you make Fresh Art International possible. Visit our website to learn more and explore the podcast archive we've been building since 2011. While you're there, sign up for our latest news and give a donation to support our stories. Stay tuned for more Fresh Art Talk.